I'm a child of God. Have in my hand powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now turn to your neighbor and just give him a hug, would you? We can't hug enough. That's the way I see it. We just can't hug enough. We we all all just get over by Bryant and just put our arms around him, right? We love you, brother. We do. Looking for great things to happen. Ephesians chapter 4 today. Ephesians chapter 4, a masterpiece in progress. We're going to talk about our identity and who we are in Christ today in these passages. We're going to be in verses 17 through 24. So if you turn there, Ephesians 4. Several centuries ago, Alexander the Great uh, came out of Macedonia and Greece to conquer the Mediterranean world. He didn't know he didn't know it then. But God was using him to prepare a way for the coming Messiah. One of his uh, in one of his campaigns, Alexander received a message that one of his soldiers had been continually and seriously misbehaving and was shedding a bad light Uh, on the character of all the Greek troops. And what made it worse is that the soldier's name was also Alexander. And when the commander learned about it, he brought the soldier to him face to face. And when the young man arrived into the tent of Alexander the Great, the commander looked at him and said, What's your name? The young man said, Alexander, sir. And this great commander looked him straight in the eye and he said, Soldier, either change your behavior or change your name. I don't know which one he changed, but that story has a lesson for each of us. We call ourselves Christians. We identify ourselves with Jesus Christ by saying we are Christian. We wear a cross. Sometimes we have t-shirts that have messages on them. Uh, We'll put the picture of the fish, ichthus, on our cars. All being witnesses. Everything that we do was to be a witness, which identifies us with Jesus Christ. But the bigger question is, is our behavior comparable to the name of Jesus? When people see in us our behaviors, do they see Jesus in us? There's the question, isn't it? Now, let's dive into our text here. Begin at verse 17 in Ephesians chapter 4. In the Lord's name I tell you this. Do not continue living like those who do not believe. 
They continually want to do all kinds of evil. But what you learned in Christ was not like this. I know that you heard about Him, and you are in Him, so you are taught the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught to leave your old self, to stop living the evil way you lived before. The old self becomes worse because people are fooled by the evil things they want to do. But you were taught to be made new in your hearts, to become new, a new person. And that new person is made to be like God, made to be truly good and holy. In Jesus, each one of us is a new person. You have a new identity. And just as Alexander the Great expected his soldier bearing his name to behave a certain way, Christ expects you and me to behave a certain way. Right? So today I want to focus in in our text here on five areas of our life where we should be like Christ. Five areas. We'll start with the first one. Our morality. We want to look in verse 25. Not so much moral morality, but our moral integrity. He says in verse 25, So you must stop telling lies. Tell each other the truth, because we all belong to each other in the same body. Well, Sam said it right this morning. He said, we need, to, we need to get along here because we're going to spend eternity in heaven. That's, that's why I don't get why people think they're going to go to heaven, but they don't need, they, they need to go to church. Well, where else should you be going? <laughs> you know, church should be a part of your life. If you, spend, if you plan to spend eternity with God, you ought to spend some time here with Him and with His people. Because when you get to heaven, you're not going to be isolated. There's not going to be a lake for you to be on. You know, people say they can worship God at the lake, right? Or on the golf course. Well, guess what? In heaven, you're not going to have those things. You're going to, you need to go where people are that are in the Lord. And here at church is where they are. But it's the first aspect, one of the aspects of of, of of loving God and being a part of God and being in Christ and being identified with Christ is being in church. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life, right? No man comes to the Father but by me. Can't buy it, can't hope it, can't wish it, can't dream it, can't think it. You've got to serve it. You've got to be there. You've got to be a part of it. A young lady was soaking up the sun's rays on a Florida beach. When a little boy in his swimming trunks carrying a towel came up to her and he says, Do you believe in God? And she said, Well, yes, I do. He said, Well, do you go to church every Sunday? And she said, Well, yes. He said, Do you read your Bible and pray every day? And by now, she was very curious. She said, Well, why do you ask this? Yes, I do. He sighed a relief. And he said, Well, good. Will you hold my quarter while I go swimming? <laughs> he was in search of a trustworthy person, wasn't he? The little boy knew the right questions to ask. But unfortunately, most of us aren't as honest as we should be. 
In Boston, a minister noticed a group of boys standing around a small stray, stray dog. What are you doing, boys? He said. Telling lies, said one of the boys. The one who tells the biggest whopper gets the dog. Well, the minister was shocked. Well, why? when I was your age, I never thought of telling a lie. Well, the boys looked at one another and crestfallen. And finally, one of them said, well, I guess he gets the dog. <laughs> and they had a right. According to the... According to a report, uh, in a poll reported in the USA Today, Americans lie and are lied to much more than we realized. Citing statistics from the book, The Day America Told the Truth, the paper reported that 91% of people surveyed admitted they lie routinely about matters they consider insignificant. And the remaining 9% probably lied when they answered the question. We might lie our way out of convenience or laziness. We may lie just to make ourselves look better. We sometimes lie to protect ourselves from embarrassment or disapproval or to avoid conflict or consequences. But whatever the reason, God hates lying. Proverbs 12:22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but delights in those who tell the truth. Growing up, when you got in trouble, you were in more trouble if you lied than if you told the truth. Any of you have a family like that? Yeah. It usually went a little easier on you if you just owned up to it. Well, that hadn't changed even when you became an adult. It's the same thing. If you, if you made a mistake, admit you made a mistake. Okay? But we don't always want to do that. We live in a day when the Internet lies. They travel <laughs> fast. I mean, you can say one thing on the Internet, whoop, it's out and every, the whole world knows. I mean, we have a president that understands that. That's why he uses Twitter all the time. Because he gets out to more people faster. Morality is the first thing that we ought to be Identifying more in our life with Christ. Secondly, is our moods. Look at verses 26 and 27. When you're angry, don't sin. And be sure to stop being angry before the end of the day. Don't give the devil a way to defeat you. And many of us, and many people struggle with anger. Anger issues. Little things set them off. Have you noticed that? It's, it's, not a, it's not usually a huge thing. It's a little thing. You're driving in traffic. Somebody cuts you off. That's a little thing, really. It is. Because what happens? Once they cut you off, and you get to the stoplight where you were going, they're sitting there. <laughs> and you're right behind them. It just amazes me how many times that's happened. It used to happen to me a lot. Now I started slowing down. Now I haven't driven in three or four months. It's, it's weird. I I see my car in the driveway and I think, "Hi, car, how are you?" <laughs> I get to sit in it every now and then, just to remind myself. 
A deacon with a terrible temper was playing a round of golf with his pastor. After leaving three straight uh, putts on the edge of the cup, the deacon exploded. I missed! How could I miss? And with that, he heaved his putter into the lake, <laughs> kicked the wheel of the golf cart, and drove his fist into a nearby tree. The pastor was shocked. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're a deacon in the church. You know what the Bible says about controlling your anger? I'm surprised God doesn't throw a lightning bolt down here and burn you to a crisp. Well, the embarrassed deacon apologized and heeding the warning of the pastor on the next few holes, he managed to control himself. However, on the ninth green, his putting failed him again. And when the last putt veered off to the right just in front of the hole, the deacon went crazy. I missed! How could I miss? He broke his club across his knee, threw it as far as he could. Kicked up several large clumps of dirt on the edge of the green. Ever seen guys like this? Drove his fist into the golf cart this time. Suddenly the sky grew dark. An ominous cloud passed over. There was a clap of thunder and an awesome burst of lightning, and the pastor was burned to a crisp. An eerie silence filled the golf course, and all that could be heard was a quiet voice from heaven saying, I missed. How could I miss? Oh, mercy. Let me point out that anger itself isn't sinful. I mean, in the Bible, God's portrayed as sometimes the angriest person of all. There are 455 uses of the word anger in the Old Testament. And 375 of them refer to God's anger. And in the New Testament, Jesus is frequently angry. In some of the greatest, greatest miracles, Scripture indicates that He was filled with indignation. Getting angry isn't sinful. How we handle our anger can be. So it's important that we learn to tame our temper, express our anger in healthy, respectful ways. And you'll also notice in the Bible in verses 26 and 27, it says, Be sure to stop being angry before the end of the day. Don't give the devil a, a foothold. Don't give him an opportunity. Get it away from you. Don't let the sun go down to your wrath. Isn't that what it says? When we let anger go unresolved, we give the devil a place to work with. So our second identity in Christ should change our, our, our moods. And then thirdly, is in verse 28, our money. Our money. If you are a thief, quit stealing, it says. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Boy, that's true. That is so true. Two main principles Paul is giving us here in this verse. First, do with what we uh, 
it has to do with what we do with our money, and second, it has to do what we do with our money. He tells us, don't steal. Don't be lazy. Don't live off of handouts. Instead, work hard. Work hard for that money. Some people are always looking for an easy, easy road to health. I mean, into wealth. And to health as well. But to wealth. Go to the casino. I'm going to get rich. Right. I've, most casinos I've seen here in Oklahoma give money away by the bucket loads. Any of you experienced that? Don't tell me yes. Because <laughs> I know you have it. They do give away buckets as you give away your buckets of money, yes. They're like the man who approached God and said, Lord, you're eternally right. So what's a million years like to you? God said, well, a million years is like a second. Wow, said the man. So what's a million dollars like to you? Lord said, a million dollars is nothing more than a penny in heaven. Great, said the man. Can I borrow a penny? Father said, in a second. <laughs> God wants us to be honest, to work hard for the money that we earn, but He wants us to be generous with it. That's what I love about our church, is that you're a generous people. You are, in many, many ways. As Sam mentioned, the time, talent, and the treasure. It's so true. It's so true. If there's a need, you do your very best to meet that need. But it's physically, monetarily, whatever way it is, you do the best you can to, do, to, to meet that need. Working with our kids, you know, teaching our, our adults, uh, being in the nursery, fixing communion. Greeting at the door, folding the bulletins, stuffing the bulletins. Whatever it is, there's a generosity about you that is so contagious. And God wants us to continue to be generous and joyful in our giving of our time and our talent and our treasure. Because we, re- we receive the benefit, don't we? When we give, we're the ones that get the benefit. And so, keep it up. Next, we need to let God be, or us to be more Christ-like in, in, our, in our walk with God by our mouths. Every day, we speak words. Studies show that we speak an average of 16,000 words a day. Now, I don't know about men... I can see women doing that. Men, I'm not so sure of. How is your day? Fine. How you feeling? Okay. Now you tell a woman, how's your day? It's gonna, you're going to get the blow by blow. she got to tell you. I tell them in premarital counseling, I said, gentlemen, here's, the, here's, your, here's your job. That's your job right here. Not here. Right here. 
The sooner you learn to do this part and not this part, the better you are. You'll make it. Several years ago, I, some of you may remember, I asked uh, Ralph and Dorothy Branstetter how they, how they had made it 50 years of being married. And he just smiled. She's the one that told me. She's the one that told me. That's right. Happy, happy wife, happy life. Yeah. Verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Our words should encourage people. I love being around people that are always positive, right? How many of you like that? I miss Jack Franklin. Jack would always give me the terrifical. It's not even a word. You can't find it in the dictionary anywhere. But it lifts you. I had an elder in a church in Littleton, Colorado, Bob Allen. I said, Bob, how are you? He said, man, I never had it so good. That just lifts you up. Knowing that he's having a good day, you're having a good day all of a sudden. So it's those words that make a difference. How many of you learned the uh, phrase, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's a lie, man. That's a pure lie. Those words will break you in half. If you hear good things, you're going to produce good things. When you hear encouragement, you feel better. But when people are constantly telling you how bad you are and how worthless you are and all that, you, you reflect that. Those words make a difference. How many of you have... Uh, read the book uh, by Robert Fulgram, All I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. It's true. It's true. Little things we say hurt the most. Someone wrote, A careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate and still. A cutting word may smite and kill. So true. Just with a spoken word, we can destroy somebody. And that's sad. That's sad. James, in chapter 3 and verse 8, says that the tongue, he compares it to a flame of fire. He says, it's a reckless evil full of deadly poison. We have to be very careful about the words that we choose. I'm not there yet. I wish I were. I wish I could. I wish every word I shared was a word that I had really thought through before I ever said it. But so often I'm just, <laughs> here it comes. And then I'm trying to and I'm trying to recoil it. It won't come back. It's gone. Maybe we need to use this acrostic 
of the word think. T stands for is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? Think. Think. If you have to answer no to any one of those questions, you might want to keep your mouth shut. But in Christ, our words are to be an encouragement to those who hear them. That leads us then into our fifth area, and that is our manners. In verses 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Paul starts off the section of Scripture saying that Jesus... And in Jesus, you're a new person. And and this new person is to be made to be like God. And God loves you. He is kind to you. And through Christ, He has forgiven us of our faults and our failures. We need to extend that to others. And since we're made like Him, we should be that way. Setting out from Hamburg, Germany one day, to give a concert in London, violinist Fritz Kressler had an hour before his boat sailed. He wandered into a music shop where the proprietor asked if he could look at the violin Kressler was carrying, assuming he was there to sell it. He then vanished and returned with two policemen, one of whom told the violinist, You're under arrest. What for? asked Kressler. Well, you've stolen Fritz Kressler's violin, the shop owner alleged. I am Fritz Kressler. You can't pull that on us. Come along to the station. And as Kressler's boat was sailing soon, there was no time for a prolonged explanation. So Kressler asked for a chance to prove that he was who he claimed he was. Permission was granted to him, and the great virtuoso grabbed a violin, filled the room with such heart-moving music that the police officers immediately apologized for the confusion and sent him on his way. Just as the police could identify Fritz Kressler by how he played, Christians ought to be identified by how we live. Our morality, our moods, Our money, our mouths, our manners, they're all showing our true identity. Alexander the Great commanded an unruly soldier who shared his name, change your behavior or change your name. I just wonder what Jesus might say to those of us who call ourselves Christians. Is our behavior compatible with His name? Do we live and do our lives help identify us that we're a part of Jesus Christ? Oh, I hope it does. I hope hope it does. If not, I want to encourage you this morning to change your behavior. Let God mold you and make you into the person that He wants you to be. 
in Christ. And if you can help in any area of your life, you can make those changes to become more like Christ. Today would be the greatest day to do that. We're going to stand. We're going to sing in just a moment. And as we do so, if you need to make a decision for Christ, would you do that today? Let's pray, and then we'll sing. Father, we thank you for this morning, and thank you for the opportunity we have now to gather together here. And we just pray, Father, that there might just be one here in this room who would say, Today's my day. Today's the day I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I'm going to stop living the way I've been living. I'm going to get back in tune with you. Or maybe I'm going to get in tune with you for the very first time. But more than that, God, we just need to be drawn closer to you. Because we need to be like you. And the more we're like you, the more the world will be affected. And you've called us into this world to make a difference. By the way we live, by the way we speak, We can make a difference in the lives of people. So, Father, today, if there's one here that needs to make a decision of any kind, would you give them courage to do that? In your name we pray. Amen.